We began Holy Week with a celebration of Hosannas on Palm Sunday. And tonight we reminisce about the way things might have been in the upper room 2,000 years ago. Many meditative thoughts came to mind as we participate in the body and blood of Christ. Tonight we won't be able to do that, but we continue in that trek of the last week of our Savior's life. As part of our Holy Week worship life, we're observing in part that ancient custom of the early Christian church. The services held beginning with evening worship on Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, the, the tridium, uh, were thought of as one long continuous service. And even though people go home and rest and carry out their necessary responsibilities, they're encouraged to remember that at least in spirit, they're still worshiping and, and remembering the events of Holy Week. There's no benediction at the end of this service, which indicates that though the service continues for two more days, it's all one service. So please plan to worship with us as, as we observe the second part of the Tridum during our Good Friday service tomorrow night at 7.30. And of course, you can watch it uh, here recorded on Facebook. Tonight, we celebrate the anniversary of that giving of the new commandment when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper and said, this is a foretaste of the feast to come.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father of mercies and God of all consolation, come to the aid of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may attend to your word, confess our sins, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. We read responsibly our psalm for this Monday, Thursday, Psalm 116. We read responsibly. How can I repay the Lord? For all his goodness to me. I will lift up the cup of salvation. And call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. In the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord. Is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice an offering thanks to you. And call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. In the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord. In your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. We take a moment of silence for private confession. Humble yourselves before God and confess your sins to Him and implore His forgiveness. O Almighty, Almighty God, God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your punishment now and forever. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Forgive me all my sins, and grant me the power of your Holy Spirit, that I may amend my sinful life. God, be gracious to you and strengthen your faith. Amen. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The God of peace will sanctify you wholly and keep your spirit, soul, and body sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Amen. Having been reconciled to God by the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, let us also be reconciled to one another. The peace of the Lord be with you. And And also with you. you. We sing hymn number 543 out of our Lutheran service book, 543, What Wondrous Love Is This?
The Lord be with you. And also, and also with, with you. you. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, since you have left us a memorial of your passion in a wonderful sacrament, grant we pray that we may so use this sacrament of your body and your blood that the fruits of your redeeming work may continually be seen in our lives. For you live and you reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our Old Testament reading from the book of Exodus chapter 24. Moses came and told all the people the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in its basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar. And then he took the, blood, the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses, Naaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Christ entered the most holy place once for all. By, By his, his own blood, blood having, having obtained, obtained eternal redemption. He is a mediator of a new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. In the first chapter of Acts, or first book of Corinthians, chapter 10, we read that we all are one in Christ. He talks about the Lord's Supper being a cup of blessing. That word participation is koinonia, and it means to share, to participate in. The cup of blessings that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? There is one bread, and we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat sacrifices participants at the altar? What do I imply then? That Food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the, of, of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. This is the word of the Lord. Whenever we eat, this bread and drink this cup. We, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 14th chapter. Mm -hmm. 
Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 14th chapter. On the first day of the unleavened bread, when, the, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me one who was eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to one another, Is it I? He said to them, It's one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread in the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. As they were eating, he took bread, and after the blessing, he broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank all of it. And then he said to them, This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And then when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Our hymn is hymn number 680. We'll sing verses 2 through 5, hymn 680, 2 through 5.
grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends of Christ, it's, it's difficult celebrating Monday Thursday without being able to participate in the celebration of Holy Communion because after all, that's what makes this night so special, so set apart, so holy. It's the night of Christ's last meal. You're listening to an audio recording of this service, and the coronavirus presents, prevents us from eating and drinking Christ's body uh, together. Instead, we're worshiping on Facebook. And audio cannot dispense the blessing of a sacrament. It can't give you what the Lord promised, and there's no way we can, as we read in our epistle, from 1 Corinthians, there's no way we can participate in His body and participate in His blood over audio waves. But we can worship. We can hear God's Word. And while it's true that the Savior's real presence in Holy Communion delivers victory over guilt in the grave, and while it's true that this meal is Christ's way of delivering His victory over that ancient serpent that we call the devil and Satan, we know God also reveals and delivers a victorious promise through His Word, and it's sufficient. And so tonight is about victory. Job chapter 41 is about victory. Throughout the season of Lent, we've been going through Job's struggles, and behind all his struggles, we find the evil foe. Satan brought these deadly plagues, and Job, he suffered mightily from them. Tonight, we consider Job 41. But before we get into all that, I want you to consider one of history's most notorious thieves. He terrorized the Wells Fargo stage line. And as the stage drove west, fear grew greater that Black Bart and his fierce band of riders would hold up the stage. His name stirred fear in the most rugged frontiersmen. People were spooked. And during his reign of terror from 1875 to 1883, he stole money from 29 different stagecoaches. He hid his face. No victim ever saw him. No artist ever sketched him. No one is able to track his trail. He was, in every essence of the word, a professional thief. Well, the book of Job introduces us to another thief, one who's still around, and you know him, though you've never seen his face. If you've ever felt shame and disgrace, it's his whisper that crushed your heart. If you've ever felt alone and abandoned, it was all according to his plan. And if you've ever felt useless and no good, it was his accusing finger pointing at you. He's the black Bart of the soul. He doesn't want our money. He wants something far more precious. He wants to kill and steal and destroy our lives and our souls. In Job chapters 1 and 2, he's called Satan or accuser, which is what Satan means. And he's so full of himself, isn't he? Satan is enamored with his own self-importance. He's impressed with his taunting of God and with his denigration of Job's faith. But in chapters 1 and 2, Satan disappears from view. He drops out of sight. He evaporates into thin air. What's up with that? Well, in chapter 41, Satan returns full throttle. Only in this chapter, he's a monster called Leviathan. <laughs> Leviathan? Who, who's Leviathan? Well, we hear about him first in Job chapter 3. 
May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. Why did I not perish at birth? Why, why and die as I came from the womb? But there's more. Two times. In Isaiah 27, verse 1, Leviathan is called Nachash in Hebrew. Nachash is that word for serpent. It's the same word, Nachash, that appears in Genesis 3.1. He's a serpent, the Nachash, that deceived Adam and Eve, who disobeyed God. He's the wily one who introduced the curse of pain and introduced suffering and death into the world. Nachash, the Leviathan, is a deceiving serpent. But there's still more. Take a, look, take a look at the features of the Leviathan in chapter 41, if you want, verses 18 through 21. When Leviathan sneezes, it gives out a flash of light. Flames shoot from his mouth. Sparks fly from it. Smoke comes from its nostrils like a boiling pot heated over brushwood. Its breath sets coals on fire and a flame pours from its mouth. Leviathan was a real creature. And here God uses Leviathan to give us a picture of Satan. Leviathan is deadly, a brutal, vicious dragon. In Revelation 12, verse 9, all these images come together. The book of Revelation reveals this supernatural creature, the great dragon, Nahash, was hurled down. That ancient serpent, Nahash, called the devil or Satan, and he leads the whole world astray. Job 41, 33 describes Leviathan with these words, on earth is not his equal. This, verb, this verse inspired Martin Luther to write his battle hymn of the Reformation. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Though devils all the world should, fear, should fill, all eager to devour us, this world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. With dread craft and might, he arms himself to fight. And then Luther quotes Job 41, verse 33, on earth is not his equal. Leviathan comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. He's the greatest thief of all time, and we're terrorized. We feel his hot breath behind us, and we hear his temptations. Whatever it is you want to do, just do it. Have some anger, act it out. Have some sexual fantasies, go ahead, full throttle. Have some gossip, let it fly. As he continues with these words, there are no limits, there are no consequences, no responsibilities, ready, set, go. We give in to those temptations. And then, as accuser, he plants his foot firmly upon our neck and he says, now that you have said this or thought this or done this or drank this or smoked this or saw this, God is finished with you. But remember, Job 41 is about victory. It's all about victory. It's about God's victory over the monster. It's about God's victory over Satan. And listen to God's words from the book of Job. Can you pull Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Can you make a pet of him like a bird and put him on a leash for your girls? Can you fill his hide with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? <laughs> no, you can't. God can. Remember, God defeats the devil. 
The Leviathan is under God's thumb, and God exhibits complete mastery over this ferocious creature. In Job chapter 1, Satan is given limits and boundaries. Remember that? The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hands. Everything Job has is in your hands, but on Job himself do not lay a finger. Kind of think of it this way. Uh, Satan is the Colonel Clink of the Bible. You remember Clink? He was that fall guy on, Ho- on that TV series, Hogan Heroes. Clink supposedly ran the POW camp, that, that German POW camp in World War II. Those inside the camp, however, knew better. They, they knew who really ran the camp. <laughs> the prisoners did. They listened to Clink's calls. They read his mail. They even gave Clink ideas, all the while using him for their own cause. And Clink may strut and prance, but Hogan called the shots. <laughs> Just so. Satan may strut and prance and preen, but God calls the shots. Yes, there's a devil. But as Martin Luther would often remark, he is God's devil. (laughs) That is, he does not have power over God. In chapter 1, Satan was given permission to test Job, and the limits were set by God. But there's more. In the Old Testament, Satan had free access to God's presence. The Bible says, on the day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Satan was allowed to come and go. But later, we learn that Satan was cast out of heaven. He no longer had access to God's throne. As the Bible says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But there's more. And the devil was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. Christ's victory we celebrated last Palm Sunday occurred... uh, And, of course, that victory was secured when he died and sealed when he rose, and it will be completed when he returns and at that time throws the enemy into the lake of fire. That's why 1 John says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. When Satan reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Eventually, Black Bart wasn't so scary either. The authorities finally tracked him down. And what did they find? They did not find a bloodthirsty bandit. No, instead they found a mild-mannered businessman from Decatur, Illinois. Newspapers had pictured him as a thief storming through the mountains on horseback. However, in reality, he was afraid of horses. That's why he rode every robbery in a buggy. His name was Charles Bowles. He was the bandit who never once fired a shot because he never once loaded his gun. In Job chapter 41, we see Satan for who he really is. A deadly monster? (laughs) Yeah. A supernatural creature who can do great harm? Yep. The tormentor and destroyer of souls? Indeed. And does Satan hate God and hate us? Yeah, you can count on it. But because of Jesus, he's a defeated enemy. And better yet, he has no bullets left in his gun. What's our response? We live in joy. And we live in confidence. This is the feast of victory for our God. And we celebrate with great victory with these words. The world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged The deed is done. One little word can fell him. And what's that one little word? What's that word that brings us victory for today and all eternity? It has two syllables, five letters. Any guesses? 
the word that fell Satan every time. And of course, it's Jesus. And it's this Jesus who desires to come to you tonight with real body and blood for real victory. And the gift of Holy Communion is God's mighty fortress. However, since we can't go there, let us go to His Word. Because for now, it is sufficient. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe. By your mighty power, you created us and all that exists. In your mercy, you called your chosen people out of slavery and established a covenant with them in the wilderness. For your faithfulness to your people, we give you thanks, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. In your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, you have established a new covenant with us, sealed us with his very body and blood. We praise you for the forgiveness we have received in his name and ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to live day by day as your children to your glory, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. And as your son came to bring peace, we pray for peace in our midst. You have made us to be one in the body of Jesus Christ. Help us to see the unity of faith we have with all who trust him. Grant us the grace to work together to proclaim the gospel of salvation in a world that's still divided by sin. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. And as we prepare to approach the table of the Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit that we may receive the body and blood of Christ with joy and peace and strengthen our faith by this meal and give us a foretaste of that promised peace to come. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Hear our prayers, Lord, for others according to your will. Be, uh, give peace to the troubled, healing to the sick, comfort to the sorrowing, and hope to the hopeless, especially as we pray for those who are at risk with COVID-19, those who are sick, for our medical and health care personnel that give help. We pray that you'll protect them, give them strength. Be also with those sick, shunner, hospitalized, especially Jason Denny, Kathy Dodd, Ashlyn Clark, Kaysen Meyer, Dale Fisk, Emerson Carl, Linda Sue Anderson, Roger and Brenda Potratz, Wayne Wilcoxon, Mike Hines, Brandon Elliott, Kyle Schultz, Ken Reeson, Louise Christensen, Lois Christensen, Vern Michelson, Ben Levon, Harry Richart, Todd Hart, Ava Cruz, Larry Bush, Barbara Burns, Steve Schroeder, Carly Byrne, Kathy Mast, and Holly McLean. And we pray for their healing. We also want to thank you, Lord, for uh, Daniel Scott and Katie Cladstrup, who were united in holy marriage last Sunday. And we pray that you'll bless their union uh, with, with many blessings as they enjoy their lives together. We also pray for our missionaries, Pastor Stephen, Cindy Schumacher, Craig and Christy Gabhart, Lois and Jane Falstick. Be also with Kennedy Schrader as they celebrate 40 years of marriage. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We'll now have the stripping of the altar. 
After the Lord's Supper, less than 24 hours remained in the earthly life of our Lord. And events moved rapidly. Prayer in Gethsemane, betrayal by Judas, arrest, mock trial, painful beating, the trudge to Golgotha and execution. As his life was stripped from him, so we strip our altar of the signs of life to symbolize his purposeful, redemptive suffering and death for us. Flowers are new life springing forth. In the passion and suffering of Christ, human life ebbs from him. In recognition of this, we remove these flowers from our altar. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. The events of Golgotha snuffed out the human life of Jesus, the light of the world. As even creation was dark when he suffered, so we extinguish our candles and remove them. Our offerings represent one way of serving God and others. They reflect God's greatest offering to the world and to us in sending his son Jesus in human form. As the offered body of Jesus was removed from sight in burial, so we remove our offerings. The missile stand holds our worship books that guide our worship life together as we sing praises to God. As Jesus suffers, joyous songs are not heard. These sounds of joy are removed from our lips. We remove the missile stand. Jesus' body and his shed blood have been given to us in, with, and under the former bread and wine in this holy mystery. As Jesus was removed from us in the grave, so we remove the elements and the vessels of this sacrament. Our altar is in the form of a table. It is here where our Lord serves as both host and meal at his banquet feast. The coverings and pyramids are made of fine linen, materials appropriate for feasting with our king. As our king's body was stripped in crucifixion, so our altar is stripped of its coverings. We close by reading Psalm 22. This is a prophecy of Christ's suffering on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day. Do you not answer? By night, and I'm not silent. And yet you're enthroned as a holy one. You're the praise of Israel. And you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. And you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb, and you made me to trust in you, even at my mother's breast. And from birth, I was cast upon you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. And there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It's melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, and you lay me in the dust of death. 
Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me, and they've pierced my hands and pierced my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among themselves and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver me, deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. And rescue me from the mouth of the lion. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you.